Holy shit! Keenum to Stephon Diggs for the 61-yard touchdown. Literally came down to the last couple of seconds of the game. The Minnesota Vikings with a legendary win, a legendary walk-off touchdown over the New Orleans Saints. Wow. My name is Lewis Mercedes, and welcome to this edition of AYNE. Are you not entertained? This episode is going to be mostly focused on sports, since I haven't gotten around to discussing much about sports. I'm going to get a, into a little bit about baseball, wrestling, uh, etc. Even though wrestling is not really considered a sport, but it's a sport in my eyes because I'm such a fan. So I still refer to it as a sport, damn it. It's still real to me, damn it. Anyway, wow, what a game and what a postseason this this is uh this has been so far. I think the Super Bowl is going to come down to the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm rooting for the Patriots to lose in any way possible because I just don't like the Patriots. I respect the hell out of Tom Brady. I think he's one of the greats, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. But you know what? I want to see the Eagles go all the way and pull this one out. Shout out to Kimberlyn Lott, who's my partner teacher. I'm expecting a lot of tears because she's a Saints fan. I'm expecting a lot of tears when I go into work tomorrow. <laughs> so shout out to her. Um, it's kind of cold over here in Houston. And it's actually going to drop to like icy cold temperatures down to like the 20-ishes. I think it's like going to be 22 degrees or something like that. But I'm pretty sure if you're listening anywhere else, especially in the Midwest and the East Coast, you're probably laughing because you guys are dealing with like sub-zero temperatures. So <laughs> shout out to you guys. Um, I'm going to begin talking about a little bit about baseball, okay? Just a little bit of hot stove talk since I'm a New York Yankees fan. If you didn't know, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. The Yankees reportedly offered you Darvish, the Los Angeles Dodgers, a seven-year, $160 million contract. You know something? Well, let me take a step back. Michael Kay had reported that on Thursday. And then it came out over the weekend, as recently as Saturday and uh, Sunday, that you Darvish didn't agree to the deal or some of the numbers were nixed and it wasn't factual what the Yankees had offered you Darvish if they indeed did offer him. Here's my take on it. If the Yankees did offer you Darvish a seven-year, $160 million contract, I think they are out of their fucking minds. The Yankees, I understand the Yankees. Look, we need starting pitching. CeCe Sabathia, Masahiro Tanaka, Luis Severino, they all did their thing last year in the postseason, even Sonny Gray. They surprised even the most diehard Yankee fans. But the fact of the matter is that we need, we need fresh starting pitching. We need to get younger and younger. You Darvish is not the answer to our starting pitching problems. You Dar you Darvish is solid, but he was lit up during the World Series against the Astros last October. Um, I I don't seven years really. You Darvish is is not even young. Like, why would you even spend all that money? I I hope that. It's it's it isn't true, and that you Darvish did indeed turn it down, or he's not interested anymore, or if if they're gonna sign somebody like you Darvish, I mean just do it for less money. Like it's kind of crazy how 
the Yankees are just willing to spend that much money. Like it's it's kind of mind-boggling if you ask me. But you know what? It is what it is. And uh, shout out to the New York Mets. They just worked out a deal with Adrian Gonzalez of the Dodgers, who was on the DL for the most part last season. Uh, I think he had a herniated disc. So Cody Bellinger, shout out to him, rookie of the year. He took his place, but that's a nice pickup for the Mets. Adrian Gonzalez is going to add that veteran presence to the Mets ball club, even though that whole organization needs restructuring. In a minute, I'm going to give my thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 12, which was a dope-ass event. My thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 12. If you're not familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling's product, Wrestle Kingdom is the essentially the equivalent of that organization's WrestleMania. So they build their whole year around that event at the Tokyo Dome. And uh, well, they built their their year also around the G1 Climax, which is like a, a super tournament every summer. But Wrestle Kingdom is like their WrestleMania. Um, so I know I'm a bit late because the event aired January 4th. Uh, I just never got around to watching the event in its entirety in one sitting. But now that I have, I'm just going to give a few quick thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 12, which was headlined by... You actually had two main events. It was headlined by Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Yes, that Chris Jericho, as in Y2J Chris Jericho. And also Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito for the uh, IWGP Heavyweight title. I thought the event was a massive success, as it usually is. I thought it was one of the better, one of the best wrestling events I've seen in the past 12 months. If, you know, it it just amazes me how when I'm thinking of looking forward to a wrestling event, you know, I'm always going to be a WWE fan, but I want, at the end of the day, top-notch wrestling. So I feel like WrestleMania has kind of drifted away from that in the past maybe five, six years. First of all, WrestleMania is just has become way too long ever since it started airing on the WWE Network. They started making the event like five, five and a half hours if you uh, include the pre-show and the countdown and all that stuff. And I feel like it's supposed to be a spectacle and that's what Vince McMahon wants, but it detracts from the wrestling itself, which is why Wrestle Kingdom has become a supplement for me as a wrestling fan because Wrestle Kingdom, they're not—they're giving you the spectacle, but they're not oversaturating it to the point where you forget about the quality of the matches and what you're actually tuning in for. So I thought the event was excellent. Um, shout out to Will Osprey, uh, Will Osprey for becoming the junior heavyweight champion in that awesome four-way match against Takahashi, Marty Skrull, who was the defending champion, and Suzuki. That match was, it was, you know, you could call it a spot fest, but I thought it was a, I thought it was an excellent match. I was so entertained by it, like really impressive spots, and Will Ospreay deserved to go over. Marty Skrull is excellent, by the way. I haven't seen too much of his work, um, but he's such a good heel. He's, he's just got the, the total package, and I thought that was an awesome match. Let me comment a little bit on Omega versus Jericho. You know what, to me, that was actually the highlight of the event. 
No, they didn't put on a five-star wrestling clinic. And I wasn't expecting them to because it was it was under no disqualification rules. But they put on such a great performance. Chris Jericho is just really one of the all-time greatest wrestlers ever. The fact that he can reinvent himself, come back and do what he still does at the age of... I believe it's 47, if I'm not mistaken. But he made Kenny Omega look good. Kenny Omega made him look good. And he just... They elevated one another to another level. So... Shout out to that match. That was probably my probably my favorite match on the card. And of course, the main event, Okada versus okay, uh, Okada versus Naito. That was excellent. Those guys are really just on another level. Great counter wrestling. Great psychology. Just terrific all around. I mean, they, I, I can't really say enough good things about the work that these guys are putting in over at New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I look forward to their future events later on this year. And I am very curious to see what they're going to do with Okada and if they're going to have him hold the heavyweight title for another 12 months. Because they seem really keen on having Okada hold their title and have an unstoppable reign for an extended period of time. He's he's already held the title for the better part of the last two years. So it's going to be... It's going to be monumental the, the moment he gets dethroned and we have a new champion. I'm definitely looking forward to that. My thoughts on two really heartbreaking injuries in WWE in just a moment. As far as WWE talent is concerned, there are quite a few notable injuries in recent memory. Uh, but there are two that I want to focus on particularly. Particularly, first I want to talk about Samoa Joe and his setback. He apparently he reportedly suffered a foot injury um, in his match on Monday Night Raw last week, and he cut a great promo, which actually got me very excited for his involvement in the Royal Rumble and his future plans to go after the Intercontinental Title. But what is disappointing is that it surfaced online the day after that promo was cut that he's going to be out of action for about two months and it's not an injury that's so severe but it is a setback and it's very terrible timing especially considering that the Royal Rumble's coming up this is Wrestlemania season and he's probably going to be left off the card for the second consecutive year and it sucks because he just came back from an injury um, a shoulder injury I believe it was back in November so he, ha- he hasn't even been in action for two months or, or more than two months and he's already got another setback and that's concerning to me particularly because of the fact that Vince McMahon and management, they tend to sour on guys that they feel are injury prone. Samoa Joe is 38 years old, and I think he's they've done a great job as portraying him as a monster heel. But this injury is going to be a huge setback for him, not in terms of uh, playing that heel and playing the, the foil to the babyface character or uh, uh, whoever's holding the title, but I don't think we'll ever see Samoa Joe be Universal Champion or have a world title it's just because he's already had two injuries in the past in less than a year and i don't think management is going to look at samoa joe as someone they can count on for a long-term world title reign so that that sucks man i i was looking forward to 
having him in the Royal Rumble match. I was looking forward to him having an actual match at WrestleMania, but that's par for the course. Speaking of par for the course, this is extremely, extremely heartbreaking. Paige, she suffered a very scary injury at a house show a couple of weeks ago. It was a six-person a six, uh, tag, tag match. Sasha Banks kicks her in the back, and I guess the whiplash went the wrong way, and she couldn't get up. Paige could not get up and continue the match. They had to stop the match, and it turned out, initially it turned out that the injury wasn't too serious, but the doctors, after reevaluating her, said that she's pretty much done. She's not going to be clear to wrestle ever again. This is like Daniel Bryan all over again, circa 2016, where he gave his retirement speech because of his neck injuries. This is uh, Edge all over again in 2011. It It's so, so heartbreaking for the simple fact that Paige is super talented, and I think she's one of the most over women in WWE. I think she's a good wrestler. I think she has a, a good personality on the mic. I, and she just came back from dealing with all the personal issues with her split from Alberto Del Rio, the whole, whole controversy, controversy with the leaked sex tape. It sucks, man. She just came back. She was on a roll with Absolution, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Now she's never going to be clear to wrestle again. This sucks because I was looking forward to a showdown between Absolution and the Riot Squad from SmackDown. But now I'm, I'm guessing she's going to be relegated to a managerial role, which is fine. But if it's just going to be Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose is the wrestling piece to that group, I don't think that group is really going to last long. So, so heartbreaking. Um... I hope Paige, I wish Paige a, a very speedy recovery, as well as Samoa Joe and Dean Ambrose and all those guys at the sideline with injuries. Really sucks. Um, I'm going to talk about Raw 25 and my favorite Raw moment of all time. Not only are we quickly approaching the Royal Rumble, we're also even more so quickly approaching the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. That is truly incredible. Uh, 25 years ago, I hadn't become a... I, hadn't, I wasn't a wrestling fan yet. I had watched wrestling occasionally. I was into Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and guys like that. Um, but I didn't become a fan, a consistent fan, until 1998. Um, so... My memories date back to the late 90s with Monday Night Raw. And the fact that it's it's been going on for 25 years is just astounding. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you're, you're going to have your cliche greatest moments. Everybody knows about the beer truck, uh, the beer bath. You know, when Austin comes in with the beer truck and sprays down The Rock and McMahon and the corporation. Um, you know, you have so many moments, but... I'm going to talk about my personal favorite moment in Monday Night Raw was the very first Monday Night Raw taping I ever attended, which was back in June, June 23rd, 2003. Now, I know that seems kind of late for someone who had already been watching wrestling as a diehard fan for six years, seven years at that point, but 
I was also very young. I was in high school when I went to my first Raw taping, and I just didn't have the funds or the means to attend any other wrestling event live and in person prior to that. So that edition of Raw really hits home for me because it was my first Raw event. It was just my first time being at a wrestling event, and I'll never forget it. Uh, my father took me because you know he knew I was a diehard fan, and you know. Uh, it was just it was just an unforgettable moment. Shout out to my, my pops back home. Um, the main event of that Monday Night Raw taping, it emanated from Madison Square Garden. The main event was Triple H defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Kane. This was when Kane was on the verge of reinventing himself. And Eric Bischoff, who was the co-general manager alongside Stone Cold at the time... He made the stipulation where not only was Triple H's title on the line, but Kane's mask was on the line. If you were a wrestling fan at that time, from the moment Kane debuted in 1997 up until 2003, he never took off his mask. So we were always wondering, is his face really burned? Like the way the storyline said, what the, what the hell does he look like underneath that mask? So this was huge going into it. I was already excited that this was going to be my first wrestling event, but I was like super amped because I'm like one way or another we're going to see something crazy go down we're either going to see a title change or we're going to see Kane take his mask off so long story short uh, thanks to interference from Ric Flair and Evolution um, Triple H retains the title so then after that like the crowd is just cheering like take it off take it off Kane reveals he takes off the mask and reveals himself and he has like just black makeup smothered all over his face to make it seem like his face was actually burned according to the storyline. And I thought it was just the most hilarious thing because RVD was his tag team partner at the time, just staring at him and he's like, dude, what the fuck? I didn't know I didn't know you had it bad like that. So Kane just choke slams him and just walks out of the ring. And the fans are just left like scratching their heads like what? But that was the beginning of an amazing summer-long storyline where Kane was just a monster, a complete monster. Like, they retooled a monster after that. They had him burning Jim Ross, tombstoning Linda McMahon on the stage, uh, uh, brutally attacking Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, it was just awesome. But that's that's my personal favorite uh, Raw moment of all time. And uh, what's funny is that that Raw... You look back at 2003, they had a hell of a roster. I'm talking Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Chris Jericho, uh, Rob Van Dam, the women. You had Trish Stratus, Jazz, Victoria. You had Mick Foley making an appearance that night. You had Evolution, a young Randy Orton, uh, a younger Batista. Ric Flair was still active. Kevin Nash was still active. Um, just a really, really rock-solid roster for Monday Night Raw at the time. So... That's a nice trip for me down memory lane whenever I think of June 23rd, 2003. And now for your AYNE Spotlight. This segment is just going to be dedicated to something special in any form of entertainment that I'm recommending. It could be a special movie, album, uh, wrestling match, so on and so forth. So my AYNE Spotlight for this episode is... Quentin Tarantino's eighth film, The Hateful Eight. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, 
if you haven't seen it, it's it's it requires a lot of patience because it's very long. First of all, it's it's about three hours. It's one of Quentin Tarantino's longer films, if not probably his longest running movie. Um, I think. You know, initially when I first saw the Hateful 18 when it came out in 2015, I thought it was, I thought it was really good and it was very entertaining. But it's not necessarily one of my favorite Tarantino movies. But that's not saying a lot because one, for one, I'm biased. I absolutely love Tarantino. He's my favorite filmmaker ever. He's the reason why I wanted to even study film in college. Uh, Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time. But as it pertains to the Hateful Eight. That's not saying much that it's not one of my favorites because all of Tarantino's movies are badass. Um, the Hateful Eight, I saw it when it had a limited run as a roadshow. Like the way they used to do the roadshows for movies like Gone with the Wind and Ben-Hur and Lawrence of Arabia and all those kinds of films where you get your overture in the beginning. You have that actual intermission where you leave the theater uh, for a little bit, go into the lobby, have a conversation about what you just saw. Um, you know, as if it was a Broadway musical. So that's how it, Quentin Tarantino presented it in this limited run. And I even, I even still have the program for the Hateful Eight. So um, that that experience in itself was fantastic. Watching it on a seventy millimeter screen, where the projection is just so much wider, and you get a lot more in that beautiful cinematography. The characters are really well written, and it's it's more or less the same kind of crackerjack dialogue that Quentin Tarantino has in his films but in this sense it's more about tension building and suspense building so you can you can pretty much see the influence of John Carpenter's The Thing which is another classic in this film so I give I give The Hateful Eight overall four out of five stars like a, just a rock solid film and I definitely recommend it and that's my AYNE spotlight for today that wraps up this episode of AYNE. Are you not entertained? I'm still working on that Russell Russell Crowe snippet. Um, shout out to my boy Carlos Martinez, who is, is starting out with his podcast also on Anchor, um, Art Talk with Lowe. So go and check that out when you get a chance. But the reason why I'm giving him a shout out is because we experienced that 70 millimeter roadshow screening uh, for the Hateful Eight that I talked about it on the AYNE Spotlight. Uh, we went together and we were just like dissecting the film and um, just how gorgeous it was in that presentation. So, uh, you know, hopefully I have him as a guest pretty soon on AYNE. Um, I want to thank any everyone who's been listening and supporting the podcast because I'm just getting this started and seeing how far I can go with this. Um, you can check out the link to all my episodes on Facebook. And if you don't have the Anchor app, it's probably easier. It's free. You can sign up for an Anchor account. You don't even have to record podcasts or anything like that. But that's probably an easier format for you to listen to this podcast if you're interested. But I hope everyone takes care. And I'll be uploading more content pretty soon. Peace, everybody.